Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. The coronavirus pandemic has affected families differently across the country and even within states and suburbs. Some families have lost income while others have been unaffected. Children in Melbourne have been living under some of the most severe restrictions, while children in other capital cities have been going about as usual. So how has COVID impacted our family life and what might the ongoing consequences be? Joe Tucci is the CEO of the Australian Childhood Foundation and he's a registered psychologist. The foundation recently conducted research into the impact of COVID on families. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm good, Siobhan. How are you? Good, thank you. Is it fair to say that the impact of COVID on kids will largely be determined by their postcode? Uh, well, yes, I, I guess so. The longer that kids are staying in lockdown, the the more stressful the environment that they're living in. I think I think we're all experiencing that ourselves now as adults. That if you live in Melbourne, you've been in lockdown pretty much for you know four months almost four or five months. So as we experience the stresses of social isolation and not being able to have our routines associated that we enjoy and that we do, the more that will affect our children, especially our bubs. Do we know what the consequences of lockdown on children have been in Melbourne? Like what are the ramifications that we're seeing in these early days? Well, I think that what we're seeing is families who are needing to reimagine what their world is like and what the what their sets of relationships that they're in feel like and can be experienced like. So children rely on routines to help them make sense of what's going on around them and to make, help them make sense of relationships. They have a routine where they, you know, sleep and eat, play. And sometimes they start going to childcare or, or preschool. And all of those routines basically act as a as a sort of a resource for infants. They allow the infant not to have to focus on what's next, but just focus on being able to be where they are and in the moment. If their attention is drawn to things that they can't see yet or can't experience yet, then that's when you start to get some some issues forming for them and, and for their families. And so we sometimes we see that when there's when there's threat or danger in a in a child's life, they sense that and they pick that up from the people around them that things aren't quite right. So routines are a sort of a, a regulator for children and there's no doubt that COVID has disrupted routines for children, it's disrupted routines for adults. And so when you have disrupted routines, I think you have unsettled kids, you have kids who are more likely to be a bit more clingy, to want to be reassured, to want to um, seek comfort of their parents or the families who are around them and, and the longer that goes the the I guess the more attention parents have to pay to meeting those needs in a really deliberate way. 
That sounds great in practice, but then I think I'm, I'm in Sydney yeah. and I know people in Melbourne and um, I know that kids are back at school now. So I get that there's a little bit of pressure off there, but it's a long time to be stuck at home with your children who need your attention all the time. Being even more aware of their needs sounds like it could actually be really challenging. Even if kids are back at school, um, it's it's parenting is demanding when you can get out of the house. Uh, what have you found about how parents have been faring during the pandemic? Well, parents have said that there's some gloomy feedback from them, but there's also some some really positive changes that they've implemented in their families. So the, the gloomy ones is that the harder ones, I guess, are the ones where the harder feedback is where parents have said that they, they're worried about their own mental health and the stresses on them and the impact that their mental health would have on their children. I think they know that they're quite, their kids are quite sensitive in that relationship and therefore tune into what parents' state of mind is and when parents are worried about their jobs or worried about money or worried just uh, worried about the ongoing social isolation and not being able to see family, then kids pick up on that. So that's the first thing the parents have said. I think the second thing the parents have told us is that they're also worried that the long-term impacts on their children of the lockdown and the extended lockdown in particular is still emerging. That picture is not quite clear yet. And so they're worried about their whether kids have missed out on school and on, on the education, whether they've missed out on their friendships and what that means for them socially. They're worried that kids have not been able to see their family, like grandparents or you know, other extended family, cousins, uncles, aunts. And what that means for how they have a sense of belonging to to a family. So they're the concerns that parents have. The other side of it is that parents have also found themselves doing things that they haven't done before or spending more time doing things that they, they necessarily haven't done before. And a lot of it has got to do with doing things that their kids have liked to do. So they've been playing more computer games with them or playing more sort of sporting activities in the park. And overall, they've said that they found it quite enjoyable to be able to do things that their kids are leading um, in the play and in the activity. And that they, a a very big majority of parents have said that they want to make changes last, that the changes that they've put in place already, they want to keep going even after the lockdowns end. You were saying then that um, the parents that you've spoken to have been worried about the longer-term impacts of the lockdown. Do you think there's an expectation from government or those supports that might be out there for families that basically what will happen is once lockdown ends, it's going to be like a decompression chamber, like people will leave, they'll decompress, I'm probably misusing that analogy, but you know what I mean. They're going to come out, they're going to decompress and everything's going to go back to normal. Do you think that's the expectation and do you think that's a, a fair expectation once the restrictions are lifted? Do you expect that most people will get back on track fairly quickly? Um, that's a very good question. I, I think that it's the hope, isn't it? I mean, it's the hope that people will get back to 
to normal routines and normal life or, you know, a life that makes sense to them and that they value, I think. It's hope more than probably a, a, a realistic expectation. I, I think that it's unlikely that parents who have been so worried for so long will just suddenly stop worrying and <laughs> feel like that just because the restrictions have lifted that life can go back to normal. I, I think that what will happen, it will be far more gradual. It will take more time. There will be some immediate benefits for parents so that they'll see other parents and other kids. They'll, they'll see their, grand, you know, their own parents or the kids' grandparents or family, uh, see friends. And as that starts to happen, there will be some immediate relief, some sort of sense of, you know, when you come back from a, a, a trip away from from home, you, you get that warm rush of, of feeling like, oh, yeah, I belong here and I, people love me and care about me. So I think all of that's going to happen in the first little while. And then I think some of the potentially, who knows, you know, we're, we're really predicting the future, but, you know, potentially I think that some of the stresses that parents have been under will re-emerge because the concerns they have for their kids might start to be realised. They might start to see problems emerge in their children that they've been worried about and actually start to, to see the impact of. So they might, kids might start to not want to go back to school after the initial flurry. They might be still scared. You know, places in Melbourne and Victoria still have to wear masks. And for little kids, you know, for, for young young infants, seeing masks and not being able to say, see people's faces, adults' faces, are, is quite, um, it's, it's quite a daunting challenge for them because they rely on that sort of social cues, on the facial cues of people to be able to, to feel safe and know that people are, are smiling and happy towards them and therefore they can feel relaxed and, and calm. And, you know, we're still going to be wearing masks for a long time. So there, there are some indicators that suggest that it might be a bumpy ride out of here. What would your advice be for parents who are worried about, you know, coming out the other side? And I know that you mentioned we are kind of trying to gaze into the crystal ball and predict the future there. But um, with regard to those specific anxieties that your that the Childhood Foundation found with your research, do you have any advice for parents on how they might handle this next phase? Yeah, I think I think try to re-establish routines as quickly as possible, routines that, you know, are different to the lockdown routines that you have. Be clear about what your children need or look for signs that are telling you that their that their world doesn't make sense to them. And what I mean by that is that there's some there's a difference between what kids are expecting to happen and then what they experience as happening. So, you know, if they're if they're expecting to be really excited when they see a friend or a cousin, and then that excitement actually doesn't wears off quite quickly. Um, and then they're teary or they're a bit upset, they're distressed by having to share their their toys or, or share their food with other kids, then that might tell you that there's a bit of a disparity between what, what their body and their brain is wanting them to, to see happen and what is actually happening. 
And those little signs of difference is what parents need to tune into and, and look for and then be able to offer reassurance and calm and, and build the bridge, be the bridge themselves between, you know, what kids are, are needing and what they're getting. Joe, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Shabon. That's Joe Tucci. He's the CEO of the Australian Childhood Foundation. For more information on their research, check out the links in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.